Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. I had this opportunity last week to uh, pray, do prayer ministry with a woman from another church and uh, had never been in pursuit of the gifts of the Spirit before, but she was hungry and so I took a moment in Acts chapter 8, you can look at this, Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19 give really good context for that. In fact, in Acts 8, when Philip went to Samaria and the Spirit broke out, Peter and John went to Samaria to check out, could this really be, could it be that the Holy Spirit really has come among the Gentiles? That's, those are the half-breeds. How can that be? And in Acts chapter 8, I'll just read it to you. When I was in pursuit in another denomination, this one kind of rocked my socks, especially I went to seminary, and this was not taught, but I don't know how to get past it. It says this, when the people, this is Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, but now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and as a result, many of the women were baptized It goes on in verse 14, it says, And when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they prayed for these new believers. They sent Peter and John there. They sent the big guns to check this out, right? And as soon, this is how important this is, as soon as they arrived, they asked this question. He said, did the new believers receive the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit, verse 16, had not yet come on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. They were believers. They had been water baptized. We see a similar account when Apollos in Acts 19 and Paul Verse 1, Acts 19, 1, when Apollos and Corinth went to Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions there. He reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. It says Greek disciples, believers, 12 of them in all. First question he asked them, which is kind of unusual when you first meet, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, of course I did. God came in. My spirit man was born again, right? That's not their response. We know that's true. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? Interesting. Baptism is an experience. We were baptized in John. John's baptism called for repentance from sin John told the people to believe in the one who could come later, naming, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all. So I just want to put context around why that was unscripted, but God has got to get in these little children. The enemy is after their lives wants to destroy them. The more power in the Holy Spirit they have, the greater the revelation of God will come. So you pray with them. If they have questions when they come home or you have the greatest gift given is, you read it, Luke 11, the greatest gift given, Jesus and then the Spirit of Christ, which is Holy Spirit. Okay, a little sermonette.
Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Welcome our youth. Say hi to the youth. We love you. Yes. Oh, there's so much joy in the house already, isn't there? And the peace of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, my name is Terry, and I was asked to share the announcements. First, the Christmas Eve candlelight celebration is tonight, Christmas Eve. It's at 6 o'clock. It'll be here in the sanctuary. Uh, it's a beautiful service to honor the birth of Jesus. So please come bring your family and friends. Pastor Willie will be sharing, and Sarah will be leading worship. Kingdom men, you'll be off for the next two Mondays. So stay home, enjoy your families. But you will be back, let's see, Monday, January 8th, the usual at 7 o'clock, and that's in the admin building. Our Sunday morning Bible study. Danny Holden and David Archibald, they hold a Bible study every Sunday morning at 8.30, and it's in the children's building now. That's the last building on the campus. And um, 8.30, and it's a good way to get into the Word and just get to know your brothers and sisters here at Global River. So please join them. Global River will be closed for Christmas, the entire campus. So that includes um, the intercessory prayer. That includes the offices. The entire campus will be closed tomorrow, December 25th, through Wednesday the 27th. Our New Year's Eve celebration. That is next week, Sunday the 31st. Please come. We have so much fun. It starts at 7. We have a meal together, and the Lord's Church is joining us, and we love sharing our time and just hanging out with the Lord's Church. They are amazing. So please, if you would drop your meal, bring a dish to pass, and drop it off at 6.30 at the admin building, and bring something really good. Let's celebrate together and bring something really good and delicious and that serves at least five people. So drop it off at 6.30 in the admin so the people who volunteer to set up and serve us can have everything ready for when we go over there at 7 and we share a meal together until 8 and then we come here to the sanctuary for worship. So we'll be worshiping here from 8 to midnight. So please come and bring your friends and family. And finally, Phenomenon Conference 2018. And that's February 23rd through 24th in Raleigh. And our very own Pastor Michael Thornton will be sharing, as well as uh, several leaders from across the country. And it's for people, if you want to go deeper in worship and prayer, you want to come to this conference. And all of these leaders will be releasing what the Lord has been saying to them and sharing with them for this year. So that is it. Merry Christmas. Remember to come tonight at 6 o'clock for our candlelight celebration. Thank you. Test, test, all right. Praise God. Well, come on. You excited? It is a good season of the year. I love this time together. Let me welcome any first-time visitors that might be with us here this morning. If you're first-timers in these two sections, could you just kind of wave at me? Want to give you a little gift? Say thank you. No first-timers. Okay. No gifts then. No, I'm just kidding. How about over here? First-timers. Wow, we're all regulars. Praise God. Well, thank you, meter greeters. Let me uh, just kind of, I want to ask the Lord to bless our tithes and offerings. Thank you for uh, all your giving that has kept us this year. Uh, I want you to know, I got a call from overseas. We were able to give each of our children, our orphans, $10. And they've been out buying their clothing and uh, all the, so they don't buy a lot of toys. They go out and they get 
what they need. So praise God. So thank you for that. And I want to thank the Lord for all that he's given us. What amazing gifts of life, health, revelation, the word, angelic presence. I mean, just go down the list. You'll get pretty exhausted by the end of it all. Just clean water, hot showers, fresh food, transportation, safety, no war. God, you're so amazing. So thank you for the gifts that you give us. Lord, help us to appreciate every day. Now, I ask that you'd bless the tithes and the offerings. You know what the needs are, Lord. You know where we are. You've always been faithful. So we thank you for your amazing grace and your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I want to, um, first let me pray that the Lord would just bring revelation. I know he's doing it already, but I ask for a greater revelation of the meaning that, Lord, no matter how many Christmases we've already been able to appreciate, I'm asking that you would make this one such a revelation of the reason that you really came, that there would be a, a sense of the greatness of the glory of God and what he did. It's not just a story. It is the kingdom plan that if it had not happened, you and I would have no access to eternal life. That's why Paul fell to his knees. He says in Ephesians 3, when I, what Paul, the rabbi who had been trained under Gamaliel, all the things that he had learned, he says, when I got the revelation of, the, of the, 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 the fullness of God, he fell on his knees. He couldn't, he couldn't bear it. The weight of it was just like, oh my. I want to show a video so the guys would key up this video. Before I uh, preached the sermon this morning, I thought um, this week, it was on a, a YouTube, and this is, it's called Just a Girl. But it, I was sitting in my car watching the video on my phone and just weeping. I'm like, the revelation of the fullness of that. When you think about all that God did in the midst of it, and, and it wasn't an easy struggle. Why would a young virgin have to travel in her ninth month of pregnancy on a donkey. I've driven from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I can't even imagine doing that on a donkey at nine months pregnant. Why in that did the God in his perfect timing cause the census to be required in that absolute perfect breaking in of the season of Christ? In the midst of it, and then not to have a place to even stay. We're going to see that God loves to break into the ordinary and make extraordinary things happen. Let's watch this together. Heard the story 
Little fame and lesser glory, night the keeper of the inn, the little town of Bethlehem, encountered Joseph and his Mary, about to birth the Savior of the world. His wife said, go and see who's knocking. He ran down to the gate, unlocked it. The moment he heard Mary's cry, he couldn't look them in the eye. The men went back to bed When his wife asked who was there He said I don't know Just a girl Just a couple gypsies Begging at the door I Told them we don't have room For anymore And closed the door It was just a girl Tried to sleep and wasn't able He snuck out to the dirty stable To it found for covering And later in her suffering The keeper knelt outside the barn And in the light of that great star He prayed, what have I done? He's just a babe Just minutes old there trembling in the hay could have found a room for them to stay I'm so ashamed He's just a babe There was no road There was no crown The shepherd stood Crowding in to see Jesus there among humanity, just a babe, just minutes old, there trembling in the hay, staring at his mother in the face. She's just a girl, just a girl. Does she even know that she just changed the world? Does she even know that he will save the world? Does Mary know that he will save the world?
Wow. That's, um, for Mary and Joseph to, uh, to experience, even the, the Magi, those who had come from the far land, how long had they been traveling, following the star, understanding the prophecy? I think Pastor Mike shared that a little bit last week. It was like, they came to worship. So you had the kings, the Magi, and you also had the shepherds. Mary got the word from Gabriel about what was going to happen, but still, the, the revelation of all of it, and then just the, the trial of life, to get to where you got to be, to get the, and how about the, the innkeeper? Can you imagine when, the, when they show up with frankincense and myrrh and gold, and he's like, now, I know there's probably no one in this place, if you had a hotel room, and even if it wasn't Mary, the mother of God, but a woman's in labor in the parking lot, you would give her, your, you would give her the room to, Right? And this guy said, now we don't have any room. And so there's like, there's no room. But somebody's got a room in there. He could have said, look, you're out. I'm giving it. No. So after that, the whole revelation of what took place. So oftentimes, what it seems to be is not what it is. There are so many agendas going on right now in your life and in mine that we think it's one thing. But what's going on right now with Russia what's going on with North Korea, what's going on in all of the relationships in the world. It may seem to be one thing. It's a bunch of other things. God is working in the midst of all of this, and he says our ways are not, my ways are not yours. He's going to pull this all together. And so even on that particular night, in the midst of all of it, they had prophecy, they had revelation, got to go do the sins, got to have a baby. But in the midst of it all, there's God. So I want us to... To look at your outline for a minute, I want to turn, I want to look at Luke chapter 1. The message this morning is God broke in and the ordinary became extraordinary. Let me give you the context of a couple of things about, first of all, about the book of Luke. He, uh, Dr. Luke was a physician and he wrote two books of the Bible. He wrote the gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. He's the only Gentile author in the Bible. He was a close uh, associate of Paul. We see that in several of the books in Colossians and Timothy. It says that um, his purpose was to present an orderly account of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So he also says in the scripture there in the first chapter, it says that you might be certain of the truth. So this physician, in his orderly approach to gathering, we know that he did eyewitnesses. He, he, he interviewed eyewitnesses who were there. Many of the uh, historical accounts says he, he went and actually interviewed Mary. So tell me all that took place. So as a doctor might, in the, in the logical presentation of truth, he says, I've written all this that you might have an, a revelation of the fact that what you believe is true. I like that account. Look in the book of Acts. He also addresses both the book of Luke and the book of Acts to Theophilus. And that word actually means a lot of discussion about that, but the word literally means, Theophilus means loved by God. So when we read the account in Luke chapter 1, he speaks of the revelation of truth that what you know is you settled in your own heart that you, the beloved of God, might know the truth. That's why I, I, Luke, the physician, have recorded all the eyewitness accounts, gathered the information, diligently presented it to you so that you might know the truth. That's good news. Because Thomas means seeker of truth. 
You can tell me a lot of things. I want to know the truth. I can handle the truth. Remember in the a few good men, you can't handle the truth. We, can, we need to handle the truth, right? Because the truth sets us free. Without the truth, then we are in, in many times deceived to understand what is true about where we are and what the circumstances are. So I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Luke 1.1, 1, 1. many people have set out to write an account about the events that have been fulfilled among us. You can say a lot right on that. Many have tried to give an account of all the events that have happened among us experientially. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us in the, by the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you most honorable Theophilus, loved by God. I have decided to gather from the beginning and give you a careful account those who are loved by God so that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also of the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. I want to stop there for a minute. It's one thing to be righteous in some people's eyes, but it's another thing to be righteous in God's eyes. Just tack that for a minute. They were careful. What, what brought about, how, how did God see them as right? They were careful, that ought to say something, to obey God, the Lord's commandments and the regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. I don't know how very old is, but they were very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty of the week, and as a custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. If you remember the history, once a year, they selected a priest to go into the holy curtain behind to the Holy of Holies. He did a whole lot of fasting, praying, he did himself that place of preparation right down to the underwear that could not have sweat on it. Because if you got in the presence of the Holy of Holies and you were unclean or defiled or not prepared, there were many. The reason they put a rope around them with a bell is when he went inside the screen behind the, the curtain, which we know to be three inches thick, he would go in there and if they heard the bells when they know he's, he's still in there doing the incense burning, but if he stopped moving, he's dead. He dropped in the presence of God and they would reel him out. Now that ought to, you know, as you're so great, I won the selection to go into the Holy of Holies. When we go on mission trips and we go into places where it's very dangerous, we have done prayer ministry, we have done communion, we have taken care of all of our small accounts because we know we're about ready to enter into a place where, hey, we need God on all sides of us, right? That in spades is what happens here. So you may go a whole, there were, there were hundreds and hundreds of priests. You may go your whole life and never be selected. In just the right moment to engage what the angel was going to predict and prophesy over, in the fullness of God's time, it just so happens Zechariah gets selected. So he goes into the Holy of Holies, and while he's in there, let's read on, verse 11, when Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken 
and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. So many times when people see angels, it's like, even the shepherds, right? Don't be afraid. The first thing, over, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's shaken. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I want to stop here for a moment. What prayer? The guy's very old. But we're going to find out later, God heard your prayer about having a child. In the Jewish culture, if you were barren, it was seen as God is not pleased with you. You have been disfavored by God. So here you got two people from the priestly order. They're serving God. They're righteous in God's sight, but neither one of them feel blessed of God, but there's been prayers. So how many prayers have you prayed that have been unanswered? Where do they go? Are they kept in record? How long have you been waiting for them? I get you. God's timetable is not ours, okay? So let's read on. It says, God has heard your prayer. Don't be afraid. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you'll name him John. I want you to know that John means the Lord has shown favor, grace. How about that, John? That's good, right? John, John has, that name literally means has, has shown favor. God has shown you grace and favor. You will have great joy. You're to name him John, and you'll have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drink. This is almost a Nazarite vow. You can see that in the Old Testament. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. We're going to see that prophetic word get fulfilled about six months later. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah gets in trouble here. Verse 18. Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man and my, well, my wife is well along. I don't know how long that is, but he's well along in years. We know that basically her womb has dried up and it's not possible right now. When you look at what happens here, Zechariah was a priest and it says, to whom much is given, much is required. Not only in the shock of what's taken, he's, he's, be, he's in the holy place, an angel shows up and says, don't be afraid, I'm the one who serves God, and now I want to tell you, your prayer is being answered. So he's like, he's probably wondering, well, what, what prayer? I got a lot of prayers. He goes, your wife's going to conceive, and now he goes into unbelief. God will shut the mouth of those who do not believe. In fact, he will stop the ears. You're going to find out he was both deaf and dumb. Those who don't believe are just plain dumb. That's the reality. We'll see this in a moment. He would have messed this up so bad that the angel says, because you didn't believe, you're now not going to be able to speak or hear. And we know for at least nine months, because I don't know how long it was before she conceived, but we do know in the timing that as the moment that John is ceremonially presented eight days into the temple after his birth at the circumcision. It's at that moment when culturally they would have come and his name should have been Zechariah, the family name. 
But John can't hear, um, and Zechariah can't hear, and he can't speak. So the first thing they do is they turn to his wife, Elizabeth, and say, what's his name going to be? And they say his name's going to be John. Now, how she got that, I'm not, it's not clear. But we also know, at that point, they don't necessarily believe her, and they turn to Zechariah and says, wait a minute, that's not your family line. And he says, give me a tablet, give me something to write with. His name is John. And at that moment, God makes him undumb. Let's read it. It says this. It says, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is well along in years. The angel said, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Basically, he's like offended. He's like, hey, buddy, we're in here, the Holy of Holies. I just showed up to you, and it's like, that ought to be enough. Right? I can relate to this guy. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence, not the presence, the very presence of God. And it was him who sent me to bring you the good news. You're not receiving it as good news. You're doubting. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper timing. King James says, verse 20, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the days that is fulfilled in the season. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why it was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them at all, to them. They realized his gestures in the silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home, and soon after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. The drama of this story has got to be awesome. Can you imagine this? Here's, I don't know, they're very old, well past their season, and all of a sudden, Elizabeth's pregnant. Now, why did she go into seclusion for five months? She was embarrassed? It was custom. Look at what happens. Like, what's Zechariah and Elizabeth been up to? It's like, and what's going on with this, right? She's old, right? And it's like, I, at this point, she goes into seclusion until the revelation of Gabriel again to her cousin. I, I, I just love the, the, the drama of all this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to the virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, Jesus in the Greek, but the Hebrew for that name is Joshua, and both of them mean the Lord is salvation. You will name him the Lord is salvation, Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, 
Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. That's love. He just like blows all the, the supernatural things into this. It's like, for with God, nothing is impossible. I don't know what impossibilities are going on right now in your life. I feel some of you had discouragement, despair, wondering how long, how long, oh God, when will we see it? When will it occur? Will it happen? Nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, and entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's the prophecy, right? Before his birth, this this child John, his name was John already, even though he was only six months in utero. So, just ponder that for a moment. But Mary's been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. She's carrying, you know, you see the pictures of the development of a child. This is the little zygote Jesus. He's little. And yet, Mary is carrying, as soon as she walks in the room, the presence of God that's within her, the child that's in Elizabeth, and Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And the baby does a flip, and now all of a sudden prophetic words start flying out of Elizabeth's mouth. I I love this. I just do. I just love it all. It's like Elizabeth gave a cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe the Lord who would do what he said. I want you to see, Elizabeth knew by the Holy Spirit what Mary had already said. Let it be done to me. There was no conversation had taken place. There's no you know, Snapchat, there's no, you know, let, let me call my cousin and see how she, do. there's none of that. They walk in and they know by the Holy Ghost what has taken place and the prophecy that is fulfilled. That's why the eyewitness accounts by Dr. Luke of, so what happened with you? Where were you? And this is what took place. We see in the revelation of prophecy, that's why he tells us don't scoff at prophecy. This is confirmation after confirmation. And then Mary declares, actually, this is Hannah's song. It's called Mary the Magnificat, but her proclamation, her prophecy, that if you go back and you look in in, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, very similar to another woman, Hannah, who had been barren, who had gone to the evil priest, Eli, who refused to correct his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. She had been barren, and she said, I want to give you a son. I will dedicate this son to you. You see the parallels now between Hannah and Mary, and listen what Mary's Magnificat, this is the song of praise that Mary responds to the prophetic word now given by her cousin. Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This little child that she's carrying probably doesn't even know at this point maybe that she's pregnant. But she knows that it's going to happen. It says she now prophesies that 
my God and my Savior that I now, he took notice of the lowly servant call, girl, and from now, from all generations, they're going to call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all those who fear him, reverence him, honor him. That's why Malachi chapter 3, that scroll of remembrance, you've got a chapter in the book of God that is kept by the angels in the presence of God with your name and your chapter, your book in it. That's why he says in the book of Daniel, book of Revelations, the books will be opened. There's the book of salvation, but there's the book of Marion. There's the book of Ginny. There's the book of Mike. There's the book of Tracy. I want to have an opening of the account of the revelation of all those who honored my name. When every idle word and every idle thought and every jot and tittle has been recorded, that'll blow your mind. That's why on the day when he calls up the scrolls, right, the big screen in the sky of all the things of your life and all those places where you sinned and committed all those things and they're blank because of the blood of Jesus, all these big eraser marks, if you'll work with me on that, all these places, I did that. There's no record of it in heaven. The God who knows all things, who knows everything about you, who knows the number of hairs on your head, says, I have chosen to forgive you, and I can't even remember, as far as east is from the west, every mess you made. That's why there'll be all the, holy, holy, holy God. There'll be this place, well, Mary gets it. She says, that I would be blessed, this lowly servant girl. From generation to generation, all those who fear his name. Verse 51 says, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes in their thrones. He's exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped the servants of Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This is magnificent, magnificent good news. So you got these two ladies pregnant well with John the forerunner of those who would go forward and, and preach that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who would baptize his own cousin in the river Jordan and the heavens would break wide open. It says literally the sky was ripped wide open and the father says, this is my son. So you got these two women carrying this presence of God with the prophecy of God. And the two of them, how was it in their pregnancies? What is God doing with us? Why us? What is this? Filled with the prophecy of the promises of God that they have waited literally how many years for the fulfillment of it to come? And then he chooses to do it among the ordinary. I just love that. 57 says this. Mary stayed with Elizabeth three more months and then went home. So we know that Mary stayed there nine months. She probably stayed to the fulfillment of the, the birth of John. And then she heads home. And now we know she's pregnant at least three months. And she's about ready to have to travel on a donkey, to a place. I don't know about the storm and all that. I don't find that in Scripture, but it's good drama. You know, when, you, when they're there, it's like, but the innkeeper, he's got to try to figure it out when the wise men show up with, man, I, I really blew this. <laughs> he says, and when it came time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, he, she gave birth to the son. When the neighbors and the relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, 
Everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight years old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's, there's no one in your family named by that. So they used gestures to ask the, the baby's father what he wanted to name. Your woman doesn't get this right. What do you want? He said, give me a tablet. Everyone's surprised he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell on the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on the events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a, very special, in a special way. Now, Zechariah prophesies. <laughs> I love this. So you got three prophetic declarations. Then his father, he hadn't spoken for at least nine months, right? Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have Mary, we have Elizabeth, we have John, and now we have Zechariah, all prior to Acts chapter 2, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then his father, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior. Now, he's proclaiming about Jesus, yet it's at the birth of his son. Jesus is not even born yet, but he knows he's coming, and his son would be the forerunner. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of the servant David. Just as he promised throughout the holy people long ago, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant that he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. Remember, God shows up to Abraham, the two halves of the bull, are, and God walks through the center of and says, I now commit to make covenant with you. We have cut covenant. From this generation and all the generations that follow to all. We know that in the book of Galatians, all those who believe have now had imparted to them the reigning and the ruling of all the promises of Abraham, our father. Galatians chapter 3. He says this. Now he turns. In verse 76, he says, and you now, my little son, prophesying over John, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord, and you will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sin. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. This is the breaking in. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, and to guide us into the path of peace. John grew up and became a strong in the spirit. He lived in the wilderness and began until he began his public ministry to Israel. I think it's really important to read the fullness of the story and get the revelation down in our spirit man that prophetically God had a plan. And he's about to unfold the second part of his plan. The second coming of Christ is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It, we would do well to read the eschatology of the second coming of Christ 
and be ready. Be ready. Because when he comes again, there will be those who will have embraced all that's taken place, and there will be those who have not. So in this season of this revelation, I believe I want to look at several of the things where the ordinary broke in. So let's look at one. It says, first, the virgin conceiving. 700 B.C., Isaiah the prophet prophesied that a virgin would give birth. And that, if you look at that whole story about King Ahaz, wicked king, and all the conspiracy between Israel and Syria, at that point, I don't have time to go into it, but when you look at it, Isaiah says, I'll show you. You want to see something that's really wild with God? A virgin will conceive. Then the old couple who conceives, that's, that's wild in itself. The fact that they were righteous, why were they selected of all the thousands of priests? Why was it that they were selected? One, their lineage, we know from the Aaronic line and from the Abijah line, they were, they were of the priestly order, which now we all are in 1 Peter chapter 2, all a kingdom of priests. But that righteousness in God's eyes and careful to be careful. This is a time for the people of God to be careful. Don't be casual. Don't be careless with your faith. Be righteous in his eyes. God hears your prayers no matter how long ago you prayed them. Mary was favored. What was it about Mary that caused her to be favored? Was it her willingness to say, I'll do whatever you want me to do? Have you ever prayed that? Lord, your will be done in me. Do you really mean it? I mean, seriously, do you really mean it? I pray that. I realize it's a dangerous prayer. It's kind of like, Lord, I'm in this place and I want your will. I know it's a good will, but I'm afraid that maybe if I give you full reign over everything, you'll send me to Africa. Right, Pat? <laughs> I Now you would, but I remember the first time. That's a whole story in itself. She had a dream. You know, we just finished dream interpretation. Pat has a dream of three numbers for those who didn't know the story. And the Lord gave her longitude and latitude. So she came to me and Terry first. Did you go to me first or Terry first? You went to me first. I said, check the map for latitude and longitude. She goes, oh, that can't be. And then I think she checked with Terry to confirm it. And, uh, but it was Maputo, Mozambique. <laughs> anyway. I say that, that honestly, that, that, all kidding aside, this is a time of reflection, but it's also a time for serious revelation of where do I stand with God, what are you doing with me, and am I willing to give you access to all that I am so that your will can be done? I believe that's why Mary found favor. There was this place where she knew that, remember the prophecies later in Luke chapter 2, that a sword will pierce your heart, Mary. All that's going to take place. She knew the story about the Messiah. And so she was willing to go through all the pain and the agony of what it would mean. And then number seven there is this little child in the womb. Both of them. That's why life begins at conception. 
regardless of whoever else wants to tell you that. It's true. And Mary and Joseph, this is interesting. Pastor Mike and I were kind of reflecting on this earlier in the week. Um, Mary and Joseph were so poor, they could not afford at the circumcision at the eighth day, they could not afford the lamb. And if you read, I've, I wrote it down there in the book of, of Leviticus in verse uh, 8 of chapter 12. It says, on the eighth day of the circumcision, they would like to have a lamb be sacrificed for that child. But if you're too poor to, to afford a lamb, you can use the turtle dove or the pigeon. And it says, if you look at that scripture there, when they came time for Joseph. So um, the frankincense, golden myrrh, I don't know where it was <laughs> at this point, but many think the timing of it could be interesting, that it might have happened actually after. But we also believe that that's what funded them to be able to go to Egypt to get away from Herod the murderer when all the two-year-old children were murdered. So God in his perfect timing uh, reveals these things. He's got it all in control. That's why the best place for us to be is under that place. In conclusion, let me wrap this. Righteousness, obedience, willing to serve, prayer, believing God's word are the car character traits that God looks to so that he can do the extraordinary. So as a people of God, we want to be those who are Seeking after righteousness, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Obedience gets a bad name in our society. I don't want to be told what to do. Well, it'd be really good to do what he says, <laughs> willing to serve and keep our prayer lights on. So prayer, prophecy, righteousness, being the surrendered ones will bring the revelation of Emmanuel, God with us. So let me just conclude. I put at the bottom there, God so loved the world. Why don't we stand? God so loved the world. I'll invite the ministry team, if you, uh, the worship team, if you'll come, and ministry team, if you'll come. If you're in a place where you just want to get fully surrendered, I know we've gone in a place of worship this morning, and it's been amazing, but I really would like you not to leave this morning. If you need personal prayer around an area that you're still not free from, or confirmation to the areas that you're believing for, or even the person you're standing in the gap for. We had some prophetic where We did a reconciliation service a couple of weeks ago. We preached on reconciliation, transformation. And I actually gave a, a word of knowledge that there was going to be connections in family lines that hadn't happened in a while. I've had at least two reports one particular family has been separated from family for five years, and last week they connected. So there's a, this is a time of reconciliation, that God is redeeming the time. He wants us to be in a place, and yet there also, this season, there's always a lot of drama. You know, you get family together, and drama just naturally happens, um, but God is good. Italian drama is good, yeah, that's So let's just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Dr. Luke's account, how specifically and how wonderfully all the prophetic words that gives us comfort to know that the word of God is true, that you act upon the ordinary areas of life. You take the poor and the humble, those who are willing to serve, those who are willing to be laid down lovers of God, 
And then you bring about the most extraordinary happenings. God, I know you want to do that this week with family members. So Lord, as those who gather around table, on the phone calls, opening the gifts, sharing, reflecting. This is a time of reflection on what's taken place this year. What, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly that's occurred and how you brought us through, and here we are. Show us how to celebrate the things that you have done and give us the hope to face the things that we need to have changed. So now, Lord, I want to pray an intercessory prayer over all the loved ones that are represented here, all the family circles, maybe the children that have moved away or those serving in the military, those that can't be with family this year, this time, those that are estranged from family. God, I pray right now that you would settle our hearts first. And Holy Spirit, you'd go and you'd bring reconciliation. That if there's a place of woundedness or brokenness or loneliness or sadness or disappointment, you would break in. And Lord, we would take both courage and satisfaction in that the Word of God is true. So Holy Spirit, I ask for redemption. Lord, those that don't know you would come to Christ. Those who have wandered away, those who are struggling to be set free. God, I ask you to place the right people in the right places at just the right moment to break in. And then we would sing that song in our hearts that all things are possible with God. So Lord, I ask that you'd let your face now shine upon your people and you give them rest and you give them peace. And we thank you. God bless you. Don't forget tonight, we'll be here at six o'clock, one hour, six, we have a candlelight service that'll be here from six to seven. And God bless you all. Merry Christmas. Come for prayer.